Guys, our guest today is local children's book author Refiwe Moakloli. Drawing inspiration from a host of nephews and nieces who get her creative juices flowing, Rafilwe has penned several best-selling picture books over the years, including Tulula, Yes Younger, We Are One, and a personal favorite in my household, How Many Ways Can You Say Hello? Rafilwe has a knack for bringing out the best in the human spirit through stories that inspire children to identify and celebrate themselves. This remains true for her latest installment, How Many Ways Can You Say Goodbye?, which is literally hot off the press. We're so pleased to have Rafilwe on the show today to tell us more. Molo Rafilwe. Yeah. Sobona. Abusheni. Lochani. Dumela. And hello. How's it? Thanks for joining us. Moloeni, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Rafilwe, we normally ask our guests uh, right off the bat who calls them mom so that we can get to know them better and their life as a mom. But you are not yet a mom. You are, however, an auntie. And aunties are the real MPBs in our households, let me tell you. (laughs) Uh, So tell us about the kids in your life. Who calls you auntie? Wow, so I'm I'm an auntie to to so many kids. Um, I have a bit of an age gap with my cousins. So, like um, most of my cousins are at least seven years older than me. So I've been an auntie for a while, um, and honestly, I have so much fun with them. There's something about children. I think just they their innocence, their joy, how loving they are. Um, and maybe, as I always say, my height is very close to their height. Um, so, uh, we relate on that level and they relate with me on that level. Because, I mean, I have one um, niece of mine who's like, you're not like an adult because, you know. <laughs> um, so it's um, for me, it's, it's a privilege to be an aunt. I get all the fun. And less of the hard work. You chat, you mentioned that uh, a lot on social media. You chat a lot about your inner child. How does that, the work that you do in, in your writing, nurture that side of you? Um, yeah, so most of the books I write, I've come to realize, um, are linked in some way to to something that I've had to address in my own childhood, you know? So the connecting to the inner child is me, as I write, placing myself um, in a situation where um, I have to express whatever it is that I'm talking about. So for the latest book, How Many Ways Can You Say Goodbye? I had a goodbye that I needed to say, you know, from a young age. So, So the connecting to the inner child um, and the writing is not just um, for others, but it's really starting with healing for myself, um, learning for myself. So the book, Just Before How Many Years Can You Say Goodbye, We Are One, was um, about expressing kindness, right? So it's very much having to look at myself and what it is that I would like to do, where it is I would like to grow, Um, writing from that point of view, from a child's point of view, and then sharing it with others, and hence hence the connecting to my own inner child. So you started, I mean, I'm actually surprised that this this is a calling for you, So, but you started out your career with a bachelor's degree in information systems Mm. and a background in, (laughs) in sales and marketing. Yeah. Tell us more very about technical. this. Yeah, it is very technical. <laughs> but I'd love to know more about um, your pre-writing life and, and how you made that leap into writing. So I, uh, I got a bursary from Vodacom uh, way back when, mm. when I was um, in my second year, about to go into my third year. Um, but even how I, I, I did information systems, at that time, there was like, if you remember, there was a lot of, um, buzz about IT. Um, so there was a lot of bursaries for IT and um, accounting. Like those were like a lot of the bursaries were giving bursaries for that. So since accounting, I knew was just not going to happen for me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Out of, out of the two, I was like, okay, 
I'll go for the IT. And honestly, that's how I kind of found my way into, okay, I'll do, um, and there was also a lot of buzz about a BCom, right, at the time. So that's how I ended up doing a BCom in information systems, so a bit of the IT and the um, BCom. Um, and it was really, like I say, um, knowing that I would need that financial assistance, um, that's where I was kind of looking at things. So eventually I did get a bursary. Um, from from Vodacom. So I started off my career in a telecoms environment. Um, and in the telecoms environment, at least there was some writing. I was working in the, in the bid management office. So we um, worked, it was proposal management, you know, so it was almost like project management, working with different departments um, and putting all the technical information, sales information, marketing information to one document, um, and we would tender for business. So that's where I started off. Um, and then after that, I was part of a graduate program, actually. So after three years of the graduate program, there was this great opportunity to go into a, another um, Vodafone, part of the bigger global enterprise Vodafone operation in the world. Um, so I got the opportunity to go to Vodafone India. And that was a whole wow. other experience. And that was sales, pure, pure sales. Um, and initially in the first year, it was sales in the small to medium enterprise market. Imagine in India, in Mumbai. Mm. Um, so it wasn't, it was also kind of cold calling sales, like, you know, like pitching up. It was really like on the ground, an intense experience. That was my first year. Um, lots of challenges. I won't even sugarcoat that. It was really quite a difficult experience. Um, and then the, the last year that I spent there, I was now in head office in the marketing department. Again, great experience because, you know, the sales um, in India is a whole nother story and sales in telecoms already, um, it's, it's, it's quite a big space. So I was exposed to quite a bit and, and it's experience that obviously adds to who I am, right? It adds to how I operate now as much as, because, so it took that just to talk about the leap. It kind of took that crazy, intense, beautiful, challenging, anything you can put your mind to experience for me to realize um, when I was now having to come back home, I just felt like and at that stage, I think I was about 27. So, you know, like moving towards my 30s. And I felt like if I don't, I always knew I wanted to write. Like I knew it. Even, I was in my first year already. So I was 19 when I knew that I wanted to end up in writing. So by the time now, it was the time to make that jump. I felt like if I don't do it now, if I go back to South Africa and get back into the corporate world, I felt like I might never leave. Um, so I felt like if I don't do it now in this opportunity of newness, like this is the perfect time. Um, so that's that's how I did the job. And it sounds like uh, your time in Mumbai kind of stirred the humanitarian side of you. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> it it challenged a lot, right? It challenged a lot of how I perceived things because it's just a different place. And um, I mean, extreme poverty, extreme poverty um, as well. And just those um, contrasts, experiencing those contrasts. It did, it did a lot just to see how other human beings present themselves to the world, mm. had an impact. Um, yeah, all those stories stayed with me. I, I, I always tell people one of the images that I can never get out of my head because, you, you know, you got some families who live under a bridge of the highway, like an entire family, like mother, father, baby, siblings, grandparents, right? And somehow, and the kids always made the biggest impact for me. And I would watch these kids, like in, imagine the crazy traffic, but somehow these kids, because they're so used to the environment, they, they, even though they still play, they're kids, they kind of know how to play so they don't get into danger. And I would always witness that. And I remember the one that the image that broke my heart and it's still bring up tears as I'm talking to you guys. Um, but um, I remember the one day it was raining um, and 
this mother was washing a baby, like, you know, like bathing the baby. Mm. Um, And, but it's raining and they're outside. And so on one end, the the heartbreak was the baby's crying because it's raining and I'm being washed and uh, it's not pleasant. But the, it's not right. <laughs> um, but the one thing that stuck out for me was it was so evident the mother's love, right? So because the baby's crying, um, the mother's holding this baby, but she's washing her on her chest. That's also just the lack of resources. She's washing this baby on her chest, and as the baby's crying, she's you know like cuddling and um, consoling, comforting the baby, as I've witnessed for instance, my sister-in-law do with my nieces. So for me, it's like the love is the same. The situation is different, but a mother's love is the same. Um, So that moment made me cry. And that's the moment that's making me tear up now. You're making me tear (laughs) The tears are coming here. You're really making me tear I couldn't. I, um, yeah, guys, talking about it. That moment was magical for me. Yeah, I was just like, you know what? Um, that that love is regardless of physicality. You know, it's so regardless profound. Of physicality. It's, it's so profound, yeah. and I think it really speaks into your work as a writer, um, which I'm grateful yeah. for. I'm grateful for that experience that that you had because you were able to bring it back to your home country to us to your people yeah. and and share that if not the, the the story in book form which if you haven't penned it down you need to because that was amazing but um yeah maybe yeah thanks for bringing that up I sometimes because sometimes it's like I know there's a lot I haven't gone back to that ex- to the end experience to unpack Ooh, it right <laughs> no, dude, <laughs> yeah. write it down write it down <laughs> yeah. but we we are here to talk about how many ways can you say goodbye However, the journey started with how many ways can you say hello, which is really mm. like a, it's a favorite here in our, in <laughs> our household. We love it at the CDs in the car. Um, and my little one, Elijah, loves listening to his audiobooks. So tell us what inspired you to first put that pen to paper um, and to pursue children's books in particular. Was it that? Was it that moment in Mumbai and, and really connecting with the children specifically? um you see it could have not necessarily this book not necessarily that moment but as I say everything adds up to who I've become right the defining moment for this book when I came back um so my my brother's kids um I'm quite close to them I've been there from like when they were still in the mother's tummy right like that's I was always in their lives so (laughs) Um, by the time I came back, the eldest, she's now 11. She was five at the time. Um, she'd been in school um, for a bit. Now she started crash. And I realized like um, when she was at home, before she started school, um, she, you know, kind of spoke her mother tongue. It was more because that's that's what she heard, right? Um, at home, it was the norm. So now when she went to school and she spoke it as well, naturally, you know, so when she went to school and then now when she goes to school, it's an English, it's English medium preschool. Um, as much as she, she knows the language, she speaks, she still understands this is Zulu. But when she went to school, I suppose, because at school now, everyone kind of speaks English. You're taught in English and then everyone, English becomes the common language. Um, she spoke less of her home language, you know? Um, And for me, what I was kind of witnessing is it wasn't, first of all, a unique situation. It happens with a lot of families. And and number two, her her younger sister, who's four years younger than her, she started school even earlier, like after a few months, whereas she, I think, um, the, the eldest spent almost 18 months at home um the youngest went to to school even earlier so then I was just like goodness me if she starts earlier she's missed out on that being at home and speaking home language mm-hmm. what's gonna happen to our languages right um so it kind of started a conversation and and the significant moment was I was having this conversation with um, an aunt of mine who she's a retired lecturer 
Um, so education is her passion. And for her, she, we were just chatting and we're having this chat. And she was like, you know, even when I used to lecture, this is her talking to me. When she used to lecture, she used to lecture at Forte. And at Forte University, you get students from all over the country, you know, as much as it's based in the Eastern Cape. And, and that's part of its history as well. It's always had students coming from all over the country. So she would see that as much as she instructs in English, she would see that some of her students are, are struggling. They're not understanding her. So what she said to them, she was like, guys, I will instruct in English because that's what I need to do. Um, I have to do that. However, I speak six of the 11 languages of the 11 South African languages. How amazing. Um, so if there is anything you don't understand in what I'm lecturing, come back to me after class and I'll be able to explain it in your language. So after she shared that with me, I was like, geez, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. And this I was like, you know what? Goosebumps. What a beautiful story. I love that. And right? for, her to, for her to be willing to go that extra mile to, I mean, time's obviously an issue. A lecture's only so long. But to put yeah. that extra time in to really help her students comprehend and understand. Oh. Yeah. So she's a phenomenal woman. She, some people are just born to teach, right? Like, they they never stop teaching mm, and god bless um, those even people. now that she's retired she's still teaching Man. right mm. um in one way or another so um that conversation just sparked something i was in me i was just like you know what um magazine is what i call it magazine means on so i was like you know what at the very least we should as south africans be able to greet each other in our in in each other's mother tongue 100 and that's where the concept for how many ways can you say hello came from i was just like at the very least because even me i had to look at myself and be like i don't first of all i didn't even know all the ways to say hello myself i had to research some of them right um and just acknowledging that i know my my mother tongue and i know english and maybe some afrikaans but there's so many other languages and if i just extend myself you know, and yes, practically knowing all the languages, we can't all be like my aunt with her six, you know, but just a simple greeting already is you extending yourself to the other. And honestly, that's where that came from. And I did it for kids because there's just another element, you know, like underlying to it. Because what the message I wanted to share with at the time my nieces was it's okay to go into a new environment and share where you come from. So share your language with others and encourage other kids to share their language with each other. Yes, they're in an, in an in a, in a institution or in a, an environment where they can share their languages with each other. Yeah, so that's where that came from. So the um, the uptake of this book, it's, it's small wonder to me. It, it really makes so much sense that how many ways can you say hello really was a phenomenal success and is well loved in many households. So were you surprised by the reception? So every time I told someone about this book, right? Like I'm working on this book, I would get in their eyes, their eyes would light up like different people. Um, and, and that already gave me an indication of, hey, maybe I'm onto something. Like their eyes would just light up. So I kind of had a feeling that maybe, maybe, maybe I'm onto something. Um, and then, for instance, so I actually initially was going to self-publish because I thought um, going with a publisher was going to be, you know, like, I mean, the way people tell you, it's like, there's no chance. Whatever, 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 you and know? it's a daunting um, experience. It's like a... Oh my gosh, can I even yeah, do this? Yeah, like they, so. they'll be like, there's one in however percent of you getting published. Mm. So for me, because I was doing it for specific reason, right? I was like, even if just my nieces use it, it's fine. I was just on a mission. So I found the illustrator. We worked on it together. We kind of finished the whole book. <laughs> um, and then You finished the book before you ap that? approached a publisher? Yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. I kind of did it. Um, the thing. And then when you, I mean, not in physical, just mm. the, the writing and the illustrations. Mm. So when it was done, I kind of had this feeling that what is there to lose if I submit? Because I hadn't even tried. 
Like, what is there to lose if I submit? Um, if they say no, I'll continue on the journey. Mm. So then I submitted it to Penguin Random House. Um, and gosh, the rest is history. I think the speed with which they came back. Um, it's testament to the story. Like, okay. It's testament to yeah, the story. They came back yeah. very quickly. So yeah. tell us about your collaboration with illustrator Anya Stukicht. I hope I'm pronouncing her surname right. But um, she is also the illustrator for How Many Ways Can Can You Say Goodbye? So you guys obviously yes. have a really loving partnership and you work well together. How did you find her and how has that relationship de- developed? Um, I So on Facebook, there was a time, you know, Facebook's always changing. There was a time that if a friend of yours liked a page, you would see that. It would come as a notification. And then you would see almost like the cover of that page, right? Mm. So a friend of mine liked her page and I saw the cover of that page and something in me was like, whoa, that looks good, you know? Um, So I was kind of intrigued when I went to her page and I was already looking for an illustrated type. So I've kind of put it out there in the universe. When I went to her page and I saw it's, it's the gentleness of her illustrations, right? They, they, they kind of fluffy. <laughs> and the colors she uses are um, almost like pastel very friendly. Um, and, and that kind of attracted me because I thought like, that, would, that will appeal to children. Um, it appeals to me and my inner child will appeal to children. So I love Is this. it what you imagined? When you were, when you were writing your book I, I and conceptualizing it? Okay. Yeah, it was more the feeling that it brought up in me. Mm. It was that feeling of, ah, you know, it's literally her illustrations are kind of like, ah, like cute, you know. <laughs> um, so then I contacted her, um, told her a little bit about it. And yeah, after she read it, she, she came back and she was excited. Um, and we just got along which was beautiful. We just kind of like got each other. Gel. And somewhere along the lines, as we were chatting, she, um, you know, like it just, I don't know if I was planning to go to Cape Town. Anyway, I, I don't remember quite the story. All I know is it kind of came up that we sit together and brainstorm the, the story, you know, and how she's going to illustrate it. So when I brought that up and I was just saying, well, I'm going to come to Cape Town. Um, she was immediately, she was like, you can stay in my house. I hardly knew her. Like, I mean, right, I knew her through Facebook and, and her offering that already kind of built something, right? Like initial, just this trust. Um, so I did. I stayed at her house. She came to fetch me from the airport. I stayed at her house. And over that weekend, we, we worked on it. But I think Anya, so what works so well between her and I, somehow we just, you know, like when your energies like work with someone you, mm. you don't even have to talk too much like I will say something and then she's already on it she's already drawing she's she's got it right so most of it and I and I remember saying this to her, I was like I actually came to Cape Town just to watch you draw because I didn't have to give much direction um she kind of ran with it and I appreciate that um it's taught me a lot about collaboration which is a huge life lesson that I needed um, how to work with others and allow others to also demonstrate their creativity. So I've done my part as a writer. Um, what she then brings is another element. And it's good if it's not something I expected. I think that's great because it, it broadens um, what's possible. If I kind of tell her what to do, then um, you will get a lot of me. Mm. whereas in allowing her to also the freedom to express her own what she comes with you kind of get um that diversity you stay in your lane you're you're in your lane and she's in her lane and that's why it works because it's a collaboration and uh, that's it's it's a very I suppose emotionally mature thing especially when you are uh, producing this this baby of yours that you're so passionate about, it, it, it could be easy for you to want to be a control freak in, in that <laughs> scenario, but yeah. to, ha- to have the understanding and the freedom to let the person you're collaborating with 
go with it. And I suppose it helps that you guys did gel so well together that she just got it. She's got the essence yes. of what you were saying and, and you got the essence of what she was illustrating. So it's nice. Yes, it did. And I must say it hasn't, that's been a journey for me, the, the letting go of control, but going back to India, um, that experience taught me that, I am in control of nothing. <laughs> Honestly, that experience, I think it was so uh, monumental, significant for me, so challenging. Um, there were times when I tried everything that I thought I had in my basket of capability and I, <laughs> and I didn't get anywhere, right? That experience made me realize that I'm not in control of anything and no amount of forcing situations um, can make something happen if it's not meant to happen, right? And I think by the time I came back, I was already in that sense of, let's go mm. <laughs> and allow things to come together. Yeah. So, um, and I may not, so, you know, like uh, if, if I were, gifted artistically um then maybe i was meant to write and illustrate my mm. books but you know drawing has never been <laughs> my strongest of suits so allow someone who's an expert who's a specialist to do what they do as opposed to trying to tell them what they do mm. um so that's that's where that came from but yeah i it's it's been a life lesson for me the uh, collaboration it, it, it opens you up to more than you know. It and opens just, you up to what is possible uh, versus what you think you can do, mm. right? It opens you up to the unknown. So it's a big thing. Um, but wanna... yes, it, that being said, um, there has to be willingness on both ends. So I can't become here gung-ho, like, oh, let's do this thing together and collaborate and have these big visions on the end goal, which is the children, right? And be so passionate. And then the other person might have different motivations. But I think Anya, just meeting her, she, she had always loved children's books. She was a collector of children's books. So for her, it was also a lifelong dream coming into play. Um, so that's where two passions meet and create something. And your mission statements aligned. Yes, that's important. Mm. Like, do we actually want to achieve the same thing? I love yeah. this. I love how this. Or, or, or at least because you never know what you're going to achieve. I don't. We couldn't predict what was going to happen. But I think at least the intention with which we come into it um, is that aligned. Well, we're so happy that there was this alignment because an obvious next step was how many ways can you say goodbye? And it is really, it's, it's, for me, it's a bit more of an emotional story. And I think for my little one, it hits, it hits him on an emotionally deeper level than how many ways can you say hello hit him. Can you tell us a little bit more about Sarah's next adventure? Yeah. Um, so it's a it's a sad time for Sarah <laughs> um, because she started off with this journey of adventure of meeting new friends and like you can see it right when kids go into school it's like oh it's new and oh I just made a new friend and 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 it's and um, and if you look at kids that they stage so almost let's look at it when they go into let's say preschool. You make new friends and it's fun and it's exciting and it's a new environment and you learn from each other. Um, but life is not static. <laughs> I mean, this story, these all these friends were kind of picked up from around the country, right? Um, so now your friends do need to eventually go home, like any play date, like any, you know? Um, and it's always sad. I mean, you guys will know, like, goodbye is always such a we don't want to say goodbye can't we keep playing can't we and and the thing is kids are so real with their emotion um the reason why they respond like it's the end of the world when they have to say to goodbye to their friends because it feels like that you know it feels like that we were having so much fun why does it need to stop um and one of the most important things um that 
the intention of this book was to allow the child to express their sadness, right? Because it's real. Um, I think at least, let me speak for myself, the, when, you know, the times that we were growing up, there wasn't, you know, I experienced more like, no, no, don't be sad. Don't, you know, like there was a lot of, no, 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 don't be sad. Um, as if there's something wrong with being sad, you know, don't cry as if there's something wrong with crying. And unfortunately, if at a young age, you keep hearing that, don't be sad, don't cry. And I know as adults, the intention is not, it's, it's wanting to comfort you. However, our words have impact. So then children will grow up with this thing of, oh no, I can't, I can't show my sadness. I can't um, express my sadness. I can't uh, cry. I can't, like there's something wrong with it. And unfortunately what happens is we, we then hold, we, we bottle up that emotion. Um, and and that emotion unexpressed has its own like side effects, right? It doesn't go away because emotion it then ends up whatever it lives in the body or will come out in a funny way and behaviors and all of that. But if we actually allow that child to journey through the sadness, because it is okay to feel sad, right? There's there's not one emotion. So for instance, how many years can you say hello was a big one big high it was like a lot of happiness and all of that and as the journey of life goes they are hellos they are goodbyes and it's okay to express that sadness um however the message of goodbye is as we're expressing the sadness and we're saying goodbye to also let them know that it will come up again right it's like a way that's what emotions mm. are so and, and sometimes when we say, and this is the message of goodbye, when we say goodbye and we allow ourselves to say goodbye, um, it, a goodbye is actually a door to something else. Um, and, and that's almost like the journey Sarah takes is, okay, I was now, yes, we're saying goodbye to all the friends and they're still having fun when they're all together, right? It's like a countdown. Um, we counted all the way to 11. But now we start with 11 and then we drop off the friends where we picked them up before. And when they're together, like you see, if, if you can almost imagine um, at the start of a day of a school day, right, when the kids are all together and we're having fun. Yes, now and then like one child gets fetched, another child gets fetched. But when we're still a group, no one's really picking up anything. It's like, oh, we're still having fun, we're still having fun. But then what happens when you pick up your child and they were the last one being picked up? Most of the time that child is sad and crying because like, oh, I'm all alone, mm. right? And that's almost like what happens. Um, and that's Sarah's journey of, okay, now that my friends are no longer here, I feel alone. And that's the thing she goes into. Um, and, the, and, 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 the, and then it's about, okay, expressing that, that, that sadness of their aloneness, but knowing that, and that's where the teacher comes in, the adult comes in to say, okay, I hear you're sad, express your sadness. I am here for you and I encourage you that as much as they said goodbye, there's something else coming. You know, the goodbye is leading to something else, which it does, which is a new experience and another opportunity for her to connect with her friends. Um, so that's the journey of goodbye. Um, very significant. And I think, again, going back to the inner child, for opening up that conversation with your child but also internally, I, and I shared this, that I had to take my own journey of goodbye. Yes. Um, recently, I went to my hometown. So I grew up in Tata in the Eastern Cape. So my mom passed away when I was 10 years old. Um, so a lot, so there was a lot of change there, right? So my mom passed away. Um, and then we moved from, you know, from the Eastern Cape to Joburg um, to live with my adopted parents. So there were so many changes. And in those changes as life happens, some things stay unaddressed. And in, interestingly enough, one of the biggest things for me was because my mom passed away in the holidays in December, um, was not being able to say goodbye to my school, which I loved. I lived in boarding school, not being able to say goodbye to my school, not being able to say goodbye to my friends. Mm. So maybe I'm Sarah. <laughs> um, so all of that, and it's been so healing just the ability to say goodbye, 
And then once I have expressed the goodbye, I'm able to appreciate the newness of what comes afterwards. But then without the goodbye, it's almost like, you know, like things unsaid, things unexpressed. It leaves a bit of a, it leaves a bit of a hole and, um, yeah, so that's that's really what it's about. So I've got two yeah. things to say, and that's um, firstly, sorry for your loss, and I'm glad that oh, you're finding healing. Okay. Yeah, thank and, you. And secondly, the depth at which you're looking and approaching your writing lets me know that this is a key and seminal work in children's literature. And let me tell you why, and I'm going to waffle, but I have such passion for, for children's books and picture books. And if you look at something simple, like The Very Hungry Caterpillar, which, you know, mm. a, lot of, a lot of parents will buy that as sort of a first book for their babies. But if you look at it, you're learning about different types of foods, counting down the days of the week, uh, chrysalis and and all of that change there's so many levels to that book and you've done exactly the same thing in your writing children are not only learning to count down if that's all they take away from it then that's what they're learning they're learning to count from 11 to, to 1 they're learning about yeah. the emotions behind loss they're learning different ways to say goodbye in different languages they're learning about different cultures and I, I just, I had to bring that up. I had to show you, look, look at what you, you are a beautiful person. You're a beautiful writer. And I want to urge you to, to carry on. Charlene? Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm just thinking about what you're saying now, Sam. And it is also at, at a different age, at each different age in a child's um, formative years, when reading these stories or having them read to you, different elements of the story will touch them and yes. will teach them. And um, I love that because it also gives those books longevity because there's such a depth to them. Um, it's also, I mean, I read uh, it to my kids and I felt educated by it. I, it gave me confidence and, and um, it, it excited me to learn more about other cultures. It empowered mm. me also mm. to, to encourage those things in my children um, yes. and for them to be hungry to learn about those things as well. Because children, they just, they just mirror what they learn from their parents. If, I'm, if, I, if there's no depth to what we experience or allow them to experience essentially, then they'll never have the desire to go deeper or to learn Absolutely. more or to explore more. So th that's the one thing I wanted to say. And the other thing I wanted to say was just how much respect I have for you and the work you're doing in, in not even being a parent yourself to have that foresight and that emotional connection purely drawing from your own experiences as a child and then also seeing what you've inter uh, the, uh, drawing from the interactions with your nieces and nephews. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that you cannot really grasp. And that happened for me until I became a parent and, and you're already grasping mm. and understanding those things. at such a deep level. So if it is in your plans to one day become a parent, whether it is or not, <laughs> I, though, <gasps> Those kids are going to be your nieces Watch and nephews world, are so yeah. lucky to have you, and your children are going to be forces to be reckoned with. I, oh, I thank really you. believe that. <laughs> From your lips to God's ears. Yes. I'm so baby mad. I'm forever having dreams about <laughs> kids. If you knew. <laughs> Listen, speaking about becoming a parent, when you were speaking about your experience in Mumbai earlier, I am um, not to scare you off having children, but the way you were describing living in Mumbai and the challenges, I was like, that sounds like a, like a definition of parenting to me. <laughs> right. And, and that's why I was like, regardless of environment, regardless of resources, a mother is a mother. My respect for mothers, if you knew the respect I have for you guys, I, it's like a higher level, right? Um, because it's just, sure, yeah. For a where we have obviously um, as much respect for you in your work and, and I would really love to, to chat more about your collaborations, your work that you do for NGOs and other organizations. 
your collaboration with Color Me Kids and and uh, oh, yeah. how many ways can can you say hello becoming a coloring in book and then mm. most recently you went on a trip with Aquity Innovation let's start how about we start with Color Me Kids how how did that come about and how did you kind of uh, f- you know formulate the, or conceptualize the idea that how many ways can you say hello should be a coloring in book so that came from the publisher. Um, they, and it was brilliant, really. Um, so they came with, they were like, hey, are you keen on, on us making how many ways of coloring in book? And I was like, oh, awesome. It just, it's another way um, for kids to also engage with the story. Um, so it was kind of beautiful in that sense. Color Me Kids, so the timing of it was stunning. Let's fill listeners in quickly. It's it's The tagline is stationary for the skin you're in. And, I mean, it's a firm mm. favorite among South African moms. But this has gone overseas. This has become a bestseller in other countries. And you can see why. Because it's, it's, wow. so it's it aims to inspire children to celebrate the color of their skin and to feel represented. Back in the day, your crayon pack would only have sort of a peachy, weird pink color for skin color and then a dark brown. Um, whereas Color Me Kids has created a range of colors to match the different skin tones of people, of humans. So um, I yes. love this pairing. And you know what What I remember from being in school, I'll never forget this conversation. I was in grade six at the time, so maybe around 11 years old. Significant conversation. Um that that peachy color that you're talking about in our crayon box used to be called skin color like and in a and it was like not even an issue at the time right so bizarre, but i remember actually. this one friend of mine uh in my class because i even called it skin color i wasn't it wasn't a conscious it was just like it, it was, was so entrenched right yeah yes okay yeah, and then this one girl, her name Wohlale, her name means uh, intelligent. So actually it's it's telling of what she said. Because she picked it up and she was like, I have a problem with this being called skin color. Because this is not my skin color. When she said that, my you know, like when you almost fireworks in my breath, she opened up, I was like, yeah. Actually. <laughs> because again, it's, complete obliviousness right because it's just how things have always been that's what i we mean get another those. example of something like that is um a friend of mine um has adopted um a black girl and she was um saying something about plasters okay so the girl hurt herself um i mean she said something about the plaster she didn't have um you know like the right skin color plasters that's why she has and then again, it was like, I was like, what? I never realized that the plasters were that color because again, it was to match like Caucasian skin, all these things, you know? And that's the thing about how it's, when something's always been, we're not even aware of the like subliminal conditioning, yes, right? Yes, or, yes. Or not, or not being inclusive. Yes. So it's beautiful that um, the color... Um, color me kids it's when you talk about skin color best have them in all the ranges of skin colors right um so it's, it's really beautiful and they contacted me and when they contacted me I was very excited um because I was just like it's a perfect match and it was the timing that they released their crayons was around the time of the of the coloring, the coloring in book yeah. and 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 that's how that collaboration came together and then cna came on board and kind of had us together on one promotion the book and the color me kid crayons which was big i mean it was quite a big promotion i totally bought into it so just so you know fyi i totally went there <laughs> i went <laughs> and bought out like three different ones and and you see again going back to collaboration can you see how when you have different people and the intentions the same when you have different people with the same intention, when we come together, it becomes bigger, right? Um, and that's a good example of how collaboration can really work out for everyone. I've got a lot to learn from you, my friend, in terms of letting go because great things happen when you do. It's, it's obvious. Mm-hmm. And I have such admiration for 
as I said, the work that you do with different organizations. And I want to urge our listeners to go onto your website, refilwaymachloli.com, um, and to have a look at all the different titles that Refilway has worked on. But I do want to chat about your most recent endeavor um, or collaboration, and that's with Equity Innovation, an organization uh, that is helping children with TB. Can you explain a little bit more? Because this is very recent. You, you literally just came back from a trip. So, yes, so Equity um, Innovations approached me um, because they have this project, it's called the Gumisela um, Campaign. And, and really their focus is to diagnose and treat TB in children. The, the in children part is the significant part because theirs is a, um, is a focused campaign. Right now, for instance, when it comes to treatment, um, there still isn't tailored treatment for children, which means they almost have to adapt uh, treatment for adults to make it, um, you know, child friendly. So here and there, they have medication or have to crush medication. They have to do different things. Um, and, And they want to create awareness around that. Like, can we actually... Um, tailored treatment for children. How they contacted me and why they contacted me was, you know, TB is also, it's a, it's, it's a long-term illness in the sense that it takes about six to nine months um, for the treatment to be complete, which is a long time for a child. Some of the kids are so young, you know, like some are still babies, um, toddlers, trying to explain to a child having to take treatment every day, every single day, um, and more than once. It's quite a bit for a Mm. child. Mm. Um, And so they wanted a way to communicate to children for them to better understand their disease. Um, But the most important thing, they wanted to give the children a sense of hope. Um, They don't want children to, you know, like, even in the communities, they didn't want the stigma of, this is like a death sentence um, and you have TV, you have it for the rest of your life. So they don't want that. They wanted the children to understand that there's a treatment for this. And that is the most significant thing about TB. It's a curable disease. There's a treatment for it. Yes, it'll take some time. But once you actually go through that treatment after those months, you, you can go on to lead a full life. Um, one of the challenges they have is when uh you know, people uh, don't complete their treatment because it takes such a while. When people don't complete the treatment, it's almost like antibiotics. Um, then there's a resistance that happens. Um, and then now they have to come back and it's a whole cycle. So they also wanted to create the awareness around completing the treatment, you know, looking forward to the future, a sense of hope. Um, and, and so that's why they asked me to write the story, to speak to the child in their language and most important, to, to provide them with a sense of hope. It's a very beautiful project that, they, that they're working on. And they, you know, they work with funders. Mm. Um, so they, they need help, you know. Um, and wherever we can help people to, to impact communities, you know, um, because of the environments that they live in, you can find in a family, if an adult has TB and there are children in that house, those children are bound to also contract um, the disease. And then you'll find that the whole family has TB. So it has a ripple effect in the communities. And because it's something that can be cured, there is always room for more work to be done in terms of raising awareness and also assistance in, in assuring that, you know, particularly these children, um, but the whole community gets the healing that they need. So the story is called Clouds in My Chest, and we're going to link everybody up to where they can find um, how many ways can you say goodbye, all of the other, all of your other titles, and of course, um, Equity Innovations for whoever feels inspired to, to possibly help um, in this endeavor. Rafael, we're running out of time, but I want to know uh, what is something that a lot of people don't know about you? I like my, I just put my life on social media. I don't know if there's anything you don't know about me. 
I because I I I write quite a bit. Like I I enjoy writing poetry and share that like almost daily. Um, and that's literally like just me. You even shared today, like, man. My I, life. I'm like, how do you hey? even have the time? You even shared today. Yeah, three hours ago. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's like my journaling is very public. <laughs> You're so an open book. I love it. Yeah, something someone doesn't have on me. I I don't know. Um, I do love sport. That's surprising sport. for me. Um, I won't say why, but it is You love cricket, and that's also um, evidence in your in your yes younger title. Yes. That you've penned. Huge passion for cricket. I must say that's been there for a while. Like I'm a I'm a super fan of the Proteas. Um so I, I do enjoy my sport. Um I enjoy watching cricket. Don't ask me to play. <laughs> <laughs> I tried once, <laughs> didn't work out so well. Sometimes you are there to enjoy the sport. The sport that I've played my whole life, um, or most of my life is hockey. Quite keen on wow. that. So quite keen on that. So I don't play it as much now, but I still enjoy watching hockey. Mm. So when we get back to having our live tournaments, um, you'll see me watching that. I do. I, you know, sport for me is is what fascinates me is um, the human spirit behind it. Okay, so I particularly love team sports. Um, and if you hear me commenting like cricket, there's Again, collaboration. I told you it's my lifelong lesson. Um, um, so I'm, I'm always interested in what it takes um, to be uh, an awesome sportsman, the human behind that. What does it take to be a great captain, for mm. instance? Like, right? Because sometimes you can, like, look at, for instance, Sia Kulisi with the rugby team, right? Because a great captain and a great coach and can, 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 can win tournaments. So I'm, I'm, I'm very fascinated in, in almost like not just the sport itself. I see the parallels. The, I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like the humanness behind it to achieve great things together as a team. Yeah. So what is next on the cards for you, Rafilwe? What is next? I have been, and I've been talking about this for a while. I'm sure people are like, okay, when are we going to see this book for older children? Um, I've been working on that. And so I wrote this story for older kids. It will be coming out this year. Nice. It will be coming out this year. Quite a bit of writing I did. So quite a bit of few books coming out this year. Um, so I'm very excited about that. I think I've been wanting to, to journey with our kids. Um, I think the kids have been enjoying having local content. So I've been wanting to journey with them. So I've got the, the earlier age group now as they get older, what's important to our tweens, right? Um, and eventually I'll also write for teenagers. So, so that throughout there are there, that life cycle of being a child, um, I get to address the issues that are relevant to the age. Um, so that's the intention. That is so exciting. And obviously, um, uh, we can't wait for it. We hope to have you back on so that we can be chatting a little bit more about that title when it comes yes, out. Yes, please. I've enjoyed this time with you guys. Rafil, yeah. to quote you, hello is a beginning and so is goodbye. But goodbye is like a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. It's a been butterfly. such a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, how do I say it? Salah Say that again, sorry. Salakabutse. Oh, Salakabutse, yes. Goodbye. Thank you. Oh, Hambakuchle. Oh, Fambakachle. Fambakachle, yes.